Friday the 13th, 1980, with Terry East. In this episode, Terry shares his memories of Friday the 13th movie marathons and what made those movies so appealing yet so terrifying. And remember, premarital sex and big hair are only bad when you're at Camp Blood. I am here with the one, the only, Terry East. How the hell are you, my friend? Doing good, Joel. Great to uh, finally be uh, on the uh, podcast. Yeah, you know, you'd think being my friend for the better part of, I don't know, like, see, we've known each other minus the two to the, I'm doing JV math here, uh, 20 to the 40 to the, it's been a long time. Like It, it has been. not Not quite 20 years. Not too far off from that. And uh, this is the first time I've had you on. Well, no, I, okay. In my defense, Karate Kid. Yes. And and you had and early on, before you ever became an, officially in a podcaster yourself, you had some audio, some feedback. I remember yep. that you for dropped. Night of the Living Dead. Yep. Way back when. Yep. And but... and that's it. That's all we got. This is why we don't podcast together, folks. <laughs> because. <laughs> <laughs> taking a drink of water too he's like uh do i need to say something and yes so needless to say i'm glad i have you on now and uh if i embarrass you well you should be used to it by now so terry has a podcast one that i am a big fan of and uh, if you're listening to this you should be a big fan of as well it is flickering waves of course it used to be 78th and hard drive and you focus on everything from movies to music and i personally love it when you get obscure into the esoteric arenas that i know you're a big fan of that's always fun to listen to and you're a font of knowledge my friend so that's that's always nice so any any other uh things you want to mention i'm I'm making sure i do this at the beginning by the way because you're going to be like the 18th or 19th episode out of the 20 and yet you're the first person i've thought about doing this setup with before we started Makes, I mean, uh, my problem with uh, my own podcast is uh, trying to put that stuff in at the very end. So it kind of makes sense to put it in the beginning. So, yeah, just to cover your base, right? Because now what I've had to do is go back and add an outro to every one of them. Go, thank you to so-and-so. You can (laughs) listen to them at such-and-such. Whereas if I just done it at the beginning. Then it's done and over with. Yeah, pretty much. But I'll probably still do it for this one, too. But whatever. (sighs) So there's that. So, Terry, you are going to cover... A series that is near and dear to anyone's heart who grew up in the 80s and was a fan of horror films. But hopefully I'm going to approach it from a uh, different angle than uh, one might expect because uh, uh, the series that you're uh, hinting around is uh, Friday the 13th. And because of when that series came around, I mean, I was just... You know, I wasn't even a teenager at that point. I mean, we're talking, you know, I was six, seven, eight years old around this time when the first mm-hmm. batch of movies came out. And oddly enough, I got exposed to them at a very young age. Um, 
kind of uh, it, it's funny to think about now, uh, but I guess and for those uh, listeners out there who are not listening to this in the U.S. or who are not Americans, um, that funny little dynamic of it's okay if uh, my kid sees any amount of violence, that's perfectly okay, but, you know, no sex. Boobies. Exactly. <laughs> so I was pretty much raised into that mentality, you know, through, you know, throughout my childhood year, years, mm-hmm. um, led to a very weird situation later on and the fact that, you know, two of the first R-rated movies I remember being able to see from beginning to end without my parents sitting there over my shoulder saying, you know, hey, put a pillow over your face or, you know, any number of things like that, <laughs> cover your eyes, whatever, uh, was When Harry Met Sally and Pink Floyd's The Wall. Hmm. So, uh, kind of, uh, even thinking back on When Harry Met Sally, not really that hard of an R-rated movie, but no. yet it was. So, you know, they let me watch that one. But at a very, very young age, I mean, I think when the first couple of Friday the 13th movies came on cable, me and my mom ended up watching them because my mom was a huge horror fan back at that point. She read Stephen King novels, hmm. any number of you know horror films. There's this one that, I wanted to research called the children. Oh yeah. 1980, right? I think that sounds about right. Now that one has a, a weird little fuzzy spot in my mind. And that would probably be a movie I'd like to revisit and see if it carries uh, any weight at this point. I remember it kind of creeping me out back then. Do you, do you remember, or do you happen to know offhand the actual cinematic connection it has with Friday the 13th? I do not. Henry Mancini is the composer, right? Manfredi or something oh, is, like is, that. Is it Mancini or Manfredini? I could. I always there's a, there's like two different guys that have similar names. Is it Manfredini? Yeah. Okay. I almost think that was deliberate on his part to have a name that sounded really? similar to Mancini. <laughs> I'm not sure. It, it, it sounds good. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it, it, I'm brain farting on on the guy's exact name, but I'm pretty sure right. I think it's Manfredini. But the composer from Friday Thirteenth, Manfredini, is. Also, if I'm not mistaken, the composer from The Children. Oh, okay. And I, don't, I definitely would have to defer to you on that one. And I'm, I don't have anything at the moment look to look it up. Well, I actually, it's not true. I have a laptop that I'm hooked into to do this podcast, but I'm not looking it up at the moment. I'm just going purely off memory, but I'm 98% sure that's what that was. And I, my only time I've seen The Children, if you go onto YouTube, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. I know I have a, I think I have a VHS copy of it too somewhere. Yeah. Of the Commander USA presentation of the children i'm pretty sure that's on youtube all right so that might be a fun way to go down we revisit that movie obviously it's edited for tv but still you get you get the gist of it believe me you're not probably missing much right so yeah but with that weird dynamic uh for some reason with friday the 13th there was sort of this weird push pull thing that i had with it Mm -hmm. like I enjoyed watching horror movies at that age for some reason, but I also managed to scare the living shit out of myself in the process of uh, getting like I like you would put things up in my bedroom mm-hmm. and I can remember what I'm I'm assuming I'm I was smart enough to just let this happen one night. I might not have been, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking seven, eight years old here. I remember putting up the newspaper ads from 
Friday. I think it was the very first one. I seem to remember that, wow. you know, that iconic, uh, you know, them in the woods. And yep. then you that look at it like a little more a, closely. And it's like a POV shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that and even like the logo, I think I remember putting them up on the um, the uh, door to my closet <laughs> and in some strange, you know, could not fall asleep at night, almost thinking like I created some sort of gateway, like <laughs> something was going to happen. You created a gateway to hell. Yeah, that, like he was going to come through and get me, which is really weird because this was you know, obviously at this point in the story, he hadn't even gotten into the you know, hockey mask. Sure. And, and I'm assuming if it, of it. And if it was the first movie, my guess is too, you probably had no concept necessarily, other than it looked like a scary movie. You probably right. didn't get what it was about. Yeah. But it, just something even about, I mean, definitely not now, but even thinking, thinking back as how that would look to a young kid, even that logo is yeah. kind of scary in and of itself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I remember that. And then I seem to remember, uh, having, uh, famous monsters, I think covered maybe the second one. Cause I, rem- I can remember seeing pictures of Jason and the, you know, the cloth sack instead of the, the hockey mask. So there, there was that going on and, you know, I would get these magazines and, you know, enjoy them. But then fast forward to something like, you know, when parts five and six uh, came out, something about those TV spots, that came out for it. I even went back on YouTube last night and looked at them. And I want to say one is there was one and maybe I'm mistaken about it being five and six. It might be four and six, but there's one of them had the uh, Jason hockey mask. And it's just, and I'm assuming this was not used in the movie at all, but basically in the commercial, the, it looks like the hockey mask is coming out. You know, if, ironically enough, after the really shitty 3D movie they did, they managed to do something 2D that seemed more effective as a 3D effect. Yeah. <laughs> but here, you know, here's this uh, mask coming out of the, uh, you know, coming closer to you. And I remember that unedging me. And, of course, that iconic hearing hearing that on I think it was six, it would get. I would get to the point, and again, seeing these uh, some of these movies, I would get to the point where if that commercial would come on, I would have to walk out of the room, put my hands over my ears, and just like get as far fucking away as, from it as I could. <laughs> you're like you're in the corner rocking back and forth, make it stop, Mom. right, right. So it, it's it. I found that funny looking back on it now, especially considering you know that I am the fan of horror that I am at this point. And now, you know, I remember in college, uh, me and my friend Dave and a bunch of our mutual friends, we sat there, I think over like a two week period, just sat there in order. I think at that point it was like, there were only nine of them at that point. Only. Yeah. <laughs> so went through and, uh, watched them all in order all those years later. So I just, Thinking back to those, uh, you know, those more yellow days of my youth, uh, I thought that was a uh, funny thing to uh, think back on. No, it's funny you bring up the marathon. I wonder if that was a 
some sort of coming of age thing. I mean, if you did it in college, it was a little later than I did it. I remember going to my friend JL's house and his parents were a lot more, um, shall we say, liberal in there letting us watch movies that there's no way in Hades my mom would have let me watch. And so I love going over to JL's house. Besides, his parents were awesome. <laughs> just in general, they're just super nice people. And uh, we would just sit there. And I remember, actually, the very first time, the very first Friday the 13th movie I remember seeing, I was with my cousin Chris, who is also the one that exposed me to Dario Argento's phenomena. I've told the story before because it was called Creepers in the U.S. I thought he said Critters. <laughs> I'm like nine. So, and, and I watched that recently on YouTube, by the way, which I'm going to be recording that episode with Peter here soon. Actually, I... I would say I, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by what I witnessed. I, I, I figured it would have been total, you know, what I had in my head from because I haven't seen it since I was eight or nine. So, right. but I digress, which is amazing on this show that I would do such a thing. <laughs> but the first Friday the 13th movie, I'm almost positive it was two of them. I saw with my cousin. I want to say it was three and four. I want to say it was three and four. And I was only like 11 years old. Yeah. And these were uncut. Right. And I remember we watched, I'm, I'm almost 100%. It was three, three and four. And four bothered me more. And it's funny. As it should. I, yeah, because I'd forgotten. <laughs> and I watched some clips of it not that long ago. I'm like, wow, this was a this was brutal. Yeah. Like four is really, br- like so many, I always feel like one has a kind of a down and dirty. They all, all the early ones, especially have that down and dirty vibe to them to some degree. Cause they were so low budget Two and four though. Always felt the grittiest. Yeah. I guess is the best way to put it. Three was pretty campy. Oh God. I hate that movie. <laughs> Do you really? See? I, I thought I would too. And then I watched it some years later and I actually, I don't know why I kind of like it. <laughs> and the thing that frustrated me about it when I had, Maybe I should revisit it now because it has been since college. Yeah. Uh, well, that it was that marathon that I ended up watching uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. And just the 3D effects, you know, we could go on a separate tangent with that. But one of the rules in my mind for good 3D effects is you shouldn't be able to figure out what the 3D effects are by watching the 2D version of the movie. Just, just saying. You mean like holding a severed eyeball up to the camera and and practically moving your arm back and forth as if to create the effect. Exactly. You mean things like that? Yeah. Or, or pitchfork juggling. <laughs> juggling. Oh, yeah. The juggling. I forgot about that. That <gasps> still gets me juggling. And the thing is, I think I have a soft spot for three because I always loved reading novelizations, whether I'd seen the movie or not, I, I don't know, because like obviously they're written based on the screenplay, so they're a lot more visual. And right. I remember I got the novelization for part three, and this would have been, I'm guessing, the mid to late 80s. So the movie had been out for a while. And I was probably, it could have been, but I don't think it was 90. It was definitely before that. I was probably like 87, maybe 88, somewhere in there. I was with my dad, and we're at some drugstore somewhere, and I got a copy of this novelization for Friday the 13th part three and I read it cover to cover and I thought it was fantastic and I had seen the movie but I don't know that I put as much two and two together uh, on that to be fair a bit of a bias admission here I know somebody or knew someone who actually I guess went to church with Dana Kimmel who plays the final girl 
in okay. part three, and he actually got me her autograph and sent it to me, which I still have. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But but yeah, three I always like had a weird soft spot for. My fa- my personal favorite is six, and I'm unapologetic for that. I love six. I I like that it's got. It's not quite to the like the level of like a scream with its sense of self awareness, but there's more of a tongue in cheek nature without it insulting the material. I think. Because it's like everybody in the movie, all the characters take it very serious, but there's still a level of humor to it right? and goofiness at, at times. And I love the Alice Cooper stuff. And I just, there's everything about that movie I freaking love. I love Six. So, yeah, the, the kills in that movie are, are just amazing. I mean, it's, if I remember right, and I think we even worked it out back then when we were doing the marathon, I think that one had the most kills of any of the Friday the 13th movies. Which I think two if i'm not mistaken it was seven like six they started the mpa was starting to crack down but i think seven is the one that was directed by john carl beekler and that's the first one that had kane hodder and that's the one where if i'm not mistaken they dropped the hammer big time on the friday the 13th series which of course led to the stupendous jason takes manhattan (laughs) and (laughs) which would have been so much better if it in fact had almost all taken place in manhattan but i digress uh so the the idea though the mar- back to the original point the idea of a marathon is I would go over to Jail's house and I remember we would get it was it was odd we never I don't know that we ever got like one through eight but we would always get like two three or f- two three and four or four five and six we always get like three or four of them and just right. we would sit there and eat pizza or spaghetti I don't know what the the thought process was there other than oh I'm so tough man I'm not gonna throw up and we would just watch like six hours of these movies yeah. And I loved doing that with them, but for some reason, and I, I was a pretty sensitive kid to like extreme violent stuff. So I remember on WTOG 44, that was the first time I saw the first one because they were doing some kind of around Halloween marathon. And of, so, of course, they were cut for TV and I watched it and the music and the tone of it, it just the whole thing creeped me the hell out. But because it was on TV, edited, and I was still relatively, even though I had seen, by that point I had seen three, four, five, six, I'm thinking, maybe even seven, and all uncut. For some reason, one edited for TV, just really, there was something about it. Just a tone and a feel that felt dirtier to me. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny because, and I don't know why, because most of your local stations don't seem to do this anymore, but... Just within the past like month, month and a half, I think on two consecutive Saturdays, even which made even less sense, they were running the Fox uh, station was running part two. Just randomly? Yeah, it, there seemed to be no rhyme or reason to it. It just like we need to fill two hours in our schedule. Here's four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, uh, Friday the 13th, part two. See, that is why I need an antenna. <laughs> seriously because i don't want cable because to me i would get when we had cable every once in a while i think it was like spike tv did this whole marathon one time of friday the 13th movies yeah. and i was all happy because oh yeah you know all day long friday the 13th and but of course i was an adult you know at least in name only at that point so it was different but something about when local tv because like you said it's not that often it's so random yeah I, I, there's something about me that it's almost like you found this weird treasure like this weird thing that just happens willy-nilly no rhyme or reason to it you can't quite put your finger on it doesn't make it's almost like you're expecting dr paul bearer to be the host of it yeah i just love that i just yeah of course granted having three young kids i probably wouldn't get to watch very much but still (laughs) 
<laughs> just the idea that it was on. Just because I know this is really weird. I don't care. It gives me a warm fuzzy. I don't know yeah, why. It was. It was. I can appreciate that because like I sat there. I went over to it, and for some reason. I ended up, I forget how much of it I ended up watching, but it was more than just like, oh, this is on uh, next. You know, I actually stuck around and I, I was actually kind of marveling at it because I haven't seen it on DVD, Blu-ray, anything like that. So it's like I, I saw them all back on VHS. So to sit there and see what appeared to be a cleaned up version of hmm. that movie was interesting to watch in and of itself for, if for no other reason than just to see how you know, as you were saying, kind of this gritty, dirty movie yeah. would uh, get cleaned up. It looked good. And and I wonder, is it just straight up nostalgia? Because like when I talk about it playing on some network, obviously you got commercials, right? It's mm-hmm. gonna be it's gonna be edited down. But why why is that? Like I mean I'm I'm pretty much asking this rhetorically because I don't, you know, unless you want to psychoanalyze me, good luck. I just I find that there's something about that. I just find it comforting. Well, it's just, it, I mean, it's novel now, back back to the time that you and I are thinking yeah. back to. Yeah. I mean, that happened all the time. You already mentioned Dr. Paul Bearer and, you know, all around, all around the country, people had their horror host here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was something that was a little more accessible then. But now it's like, if there's, I'm, I'm. Part of me is surprised they didn't just fill it up with two hours of infomercials. So the fact that it was like a movie on a network channel at four o'clock that, you know, you know, I enjoyed at some point in my life, you know, that it, it caught me off guard. I mean, they've they've done stuff like that through the years, but it's on that Fox station. But it seems to be something that happened less and less. And certainly, you know. It would have made more sense to have that on at four in the morning than four o'clock in the afternoon. So that in and of itself kind of, you know, even now, you know, we obviously, as you just said, adult and name only, we can go and watch this stuff whenever we want. But there was still like a little kid side of me that's just like something taboo about this being on at this particular time that made it, you know, interesting to watch for a half hour or so. I realize... (laughs) Our discussion may have slightly diverged us off the path of Friday Perhaps. the 13th. And to be fair, you did set this up with, I'm going to go in a direction people didn't expect. So how about I let you actually go in that direction, unless you've already touched upon it? Yeah, I think I've pretty well covered the points that I was wanting to go to. Is just, you know, how, as I say, you know, I would watch these movies, but then somehow things about them, whether it be the, you know, the pictures in the magazine or uh, clippings from newspaper or the TV spots, you know, there'd be something about them that obviously maybe not the TV spots, but certainly if I'm going to the trouble of cutting something out and putting it up, obviously something about that appeals to me, but then yet, uh, it's, it scares me too. So I I thought that was a interesting dynamic worth, uh, a a few minutes, uh, talking about. And I, I think, we went to a couple of very interesting uh, directions with that. So, do you have a favorite? It's I would say of the series, definitely six. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, going back to that marathon from college, for me to kind of distill that series down, I would say one, two, four, and six will get will get you pretty far. 
thinking about it with the one's sense, I'm kind of a toss up between. I mean, I I like I probably like Freddy versus Jason more than I do uh, Jason Goes to Hell. But that being said, uh, I think that's kind of a toss up as far as like if I'm to tell you a fifth movie to watch to kind of you know take. We're talking eleven movies and reducing it down to a smaller set. Um, I, I'm sort of a toss up between those two. And see, I I think for me, I those are all really wonderful ways of putting it. I would say I would also give seven a try with the caveat: you have to be able to look through the MPAA slice and dice pun completely intended that happened on that movie. Because you can, if you really pay attention to it, there's that's the movie that you know start Kane Hodder. That was his first one, Kane Hodder. As as and I always always have in my head that Kane Hodder started with six, but he didn't. Yeah, I think it was I was a C.J. Graham. I think it may have been C.J. Graham that was in six, but Kane Hodder was seven, eight, nine, ten. I think seven has some very good iconic things in it. Seven is the sleeping bag, right? That's the new blood, and that's the one where it's the. The girl has telekinetic powers. Yes. If I'm, yes. So, yeah. Freddie versus Carrie. Yes. <laughs> I'm not, sorry. Sorry. Jason versus Carrie. <laughs> yes. <sighs> was that the one? I think the reason why they went that direction, because that was maybe, was that the one where they had been in the early idea was to bring Freddie into the mix or some other element like that? I'm trying to remember what there was a reasoning and it ended up sort of mutating into what it became. But well, that was the last uh, one, though. Seven and eight were Paramount. Nine yes. was New Line, which allowed them to set up the whole Freddy thing. Yep, with the glove at the end. And then for years yep. and years and years, that's all we heard about, sure. Yeah, I would say for me, it's definitely six. Probably one. Then I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea. Three. <laughs> it's a personal thing. Then two. I think four is probably the better movie, but if I'm given my choice of which one to sit through, I'd rather watch seven just because four to me is so brutal. And that's what it is. Four is brutal. Yeah. I think of four and I think of brutality. They're just, it's, I'm not saying obviously the whole freaking series is pretty brutal, but. Well, and I think you may, maybe I heard this from you first or I read it somewhere else. I'm not sure, but the whole thing with that one was that Tom Savini was brought in. Yes. Four four on the on the condition he basically could do whatever the hell he wanted to to kill him off is the way I always understood it. Yeah, and and I think I remember hearing something to that effect as well. And I, I just but like just the whole thing with the hacksaw, and it's not just that he the way he kill. It's just it's almost like they go like that little extra mile, yeah, <laughs> to just make it that much worse. And then, like I said, I think seven. The one I actually dislike the most is five. I can totally understand that. That would. After three, that's my yeah. my least favorite. Because Jason Takes Manhattan is a horrible movie, granted, but I find at least it's like one of those I can have in the background, and there's things about it I kind of like for some reason. I don't know why, I just do. But five and and then probably obviously Jason Takes Manhattan would be the next one as far as if I have to pick like the lowest uh, points in the, in the in the series. I always right. I like uh, Jason um, Jason Goes to Hell. I really I like that one. That was it, right? Jason goes to hell. Yeah. There's the Jason fi- goes to hell. Yeah. Final, Friday, Friday, Final, Final Friday. Friday. Yeah, ninety three. Yeah. I think is when that came out. It's got a great cast. It's it's a little goofy at parts, and of course, a lot of people you know complain because it's technically Jason, but not right. <laughs> uh, and plus, it, it 
obviously it still has the slasher elements to it, but it's almost got like this murder mystery aspect that it yeah. has to work out to. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and, and I, so I can see why. Ah, Jason versus Freddy as, nah. Eh. I like the, the two of them together. I think, and it wasn't even those two characters that were the problem. It was actually all of the, and you can make the argument that in every one of those movies, the human beings, but just, uh, I felt like they were trying to make it too hip and too mo- I don't know. It did. It, it missed something. It didn't have the flair and the vibe. Oh, and I can't believe we didn't mention Jason X, which I actually saw in the theater. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna say it. I don't hate that movie. Yeah. I don't hate it either. I mean, it was a, it was an interesting concept. It wasn't ex- wasn't executed as well as I would have liked, but yeah, it's it's there. And I, and I and I will say that it does have a couple of hilarious moments, such as when he goes into the hologram and the two girls, oh, want to do drugs and have premarital sex? <laughs> Take the tops <laughs> off and they get in their sleeping bag. Come on, big guy. And you see him kind of lower down into frame. And then I'm pretty sure the next shot is him with like both sleeping bags, one in each hand. He just smashing them again. <laughs> And then then major spoiler alert for Jason X. If you don't want to be spoiled, turn this off now. At the very end, I did love that what I guess is left of Jason is like a shooting star and it goes over a lake. We're on a totally different planet, theoretically, you would assume, than Earth. But there's these two young, these two teenage kids. And it's obviously supposed to be some kind of summer camp. And it's just it's like parallel. I was like, I thought to myself, how badass would it be? If that that's where they rebooted the franchise from, and in that world, it is the '80s. Oh, that'd be that'd be messed up. <laughs> that, you know, what I'm saying like do some weird, mo- like parallel dimension kind of thing. Yeah. that would be cool. I always thought too, if they were going to remake it, which and um, did you ever see the remake? I did not. Okay, it's one of the few that I've actually managed to sit through. Unlike the other ones, at least it held my attention. Eh, it was it was not. I, I I'm hoping if they keep doing, I would like them to go back to more of the roots of the show. But yeah. I, I thought if you remade it, and we may have had this conversation a long time ago, I always thought it would be awesome if you're going to remake Friday Thirteenth, make it a period piece, take place in the early like 1980, have right. it be you know like The Conjuring was in the 80s, have it you know, fill the soundtrack like Guardians of the Galaxy with music from that era, and just have it be this almost weird meta pop culture piece. But totally a Friday the 13th movie. And I'm assuming uh, keeping it very, everybody do it straight. Oh, not, oh yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no this is no scream. Like it's irony crap. No. Right. This would be like a straight up serious Friday, like as if it hadn't, like, as if none of the others had ever happened. Right. You know, but very, t- like, and, and you need somebody like a, because totally could see him doing this, a Paul Thomas Anderson type who could capture like the essence of that time period. From the way the people looked, I mean, all the actors would need to look natural. They would need to look real, like real people, no plastic. Right. These have to look like real freaking people like they did in the original movies. Like, stuff like that. There's little touches that I think would make the difference. But that's just my dream, and it's probably not going to happen since they're talking about doing the next one as a found footage film. Ooh. I heard it. I thought they were just going to try to reboot it again, but that sounds even like a worse idea. They're leaning towards rebooting, but either as a found footage film or wait for it, tear a 3d movie. That can't be any worse than the first one. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I swear to this day, the juggling that just <laughs> killed me. That's okay. He gets his right in the middle. 
<sighs> so Terry, thank you, my friend, for doing this. Uh, thanks for having me. It was a uh, good time. Yeah, good times. And uh, you will, uh, even though I will end up editing this down a bit, you will probably end up with one of the longer ones, which is fine with me. So this is fun. And plus, let's be fair, we were talking about the entire friggin' series, not just <laughs> in our <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't, it wasn't the intent, but it sure no. worked. No, it was great, man. I loved it. It was fantastic. Well, thank you again. And uh, as I'm trying to tell as many people as I remember to tell, have a happy Halloween. Thanks, you too. I hope everybody else out there has a great October and a happy Halloween as well. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the 2014 Spooky Flicks Fest. And a special thanks to Terry East. Be sure to check out his fantastic podcast, Flickering Waves. You can find it on iTunes or the show notes for this episode. Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com, where you can sign up to receive free updates and something horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon! Ha 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 ha!